So through the summer, there's going to be things that the kids may especially like, and there may be some things that adults may especially like. And the thing is, we want to constantly communicate that when multiple generations can serve, learn, and worship about God together, that every generation benefits. Every generation benefits when we're all together. When we have older folks and young adults go into Kids Connect and teach our kids or to become a mentor to our teens, every generation benefits when that happens. And so as the younger kids are joining us in worship, we get to look at the kids and see how they are worshiping God enthusiastically and freely. And as the kids come in here, they get to look at us and they see how we worship and know that God is good and we're worshiping Him enthusiastically. And when we're together, hopefully God looks at us and says, I am well pleased about how my people come together. Because coming to church is not just something we check off the spiritual box. You know, I read my Bible, I pray, and I went to church. It's not something we just do because that's just what we do as Christians. We don't come to church because, well, we've got nothing better on the calendar to do, so we might as well fill up some time. Let's go to church. We come to church so we can learn about God. And we come to church so that we can make God known to those who don't know about God. And so maybe you're kind of like, I'm good about knowing God. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying every day. I'm in a life group. And I honestly get more out of my time with God than I do on a Sunday morning. Well, then we need you here on Sunday morning to communicate that God is amazing. And I want you to know the same God that I know. Because sometimes it can be a little discouraging when newer people walk in the doors and there's about 50 of us here. Because the rest of us, we're all good with God. So we need you here to not only know about God, to help make him known to those who don't know him yet. My youngest son, he's about three years old and he has a hard time uh, talking. He's in speech therapy, but he can communicate in different ways. And sometimes some of the words he says he knows. One of the words he knows is mad. <laughs> he can tell you mad. He may not be able to tell you why he's mad. Maybe brother and sister did something that upset him, or maybe he just didn't get his way. And sometimes he'll just say the word hard, which means it's hard for me to tell you why I'm mad, but I know I'm mad. And I think that's pretty amazing. Here's a three-year-old who knows how he feels and knows how to communicate it. Because I know many adults, and myself included sometimes, that I have a tough time knowing how I feel, let alone communicating that appropriately. But he also knows this word, happy. And sometimes he'll go, happy? And I'll say whether I'm happy or whether I'm not too happy with his choices and his decisions. But I'm saying sometimes to him, are you happy? Because I think in life we all want to be happy. We all want to be happy. And I wonder what we would say if God says, are you happy? And we may say, God, uh, are you happy? Because maybe I don't feel happy because I don't think that you're happy with me. Maybe I feel like you're mad at me that I did something that I upset you and you're mad at me so I can't be happy when you're mad at me. And we're going to look at today are some of the things that make God happy and what are some of the things that makes God upset with us and how do we wrestle with that? Isn't God loving? Doesn't God always love us? How can a loving father also be mad at me? 
Because in the Bible, there's a direct connection between doing good and receiving good. There's a direct connection between doing bad and receiving bad. The Bible makes that clear. The Bible also says that that's not always going to happen. Just because you do good doesn't mean you're always going to receive good. And just because you do bad doesn't mean that you're going to be punished right away. And the Bible talks about this. How can the good sometimes get bad? And how can the bad sometimes get good? But the Bible is clear that there is a direct connection between what you do and what the outcome is going to be. The good that you do, you're going to receive good. The bad that you do, you're going to receive bad. And so we're going to look at some of that today. How many of you brought your own Bible with you today? Hold up your Bible. Let me see your own Bible. All right, kids. All right, adults, good job, good job. Uh, kids, uh, keep your... Yeah, let me see how many kids brought their Bible. Hold them up high. Good job, good job. That's awesome. I want you to... Go, you're going to use your Bibles in just a minute. And just to keep you engaged, we're going to have some prizes throughout this message, all right? If you like gummy bears or Swedish fish or a donkey gift card, you're going to want to have those Bibles ready, all right? So first of all, we're going to do a a sword drill. Some of you may not know what a sword drill, some of you do know. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bible that's in the seat in front of you or or underneath you, okay? And a sword drill is, you don't hold it like this because that's cheating. You got to hold it underneath with the binding up, or right here like this, all right? And you're going to hold it above your head, And then I'm going to give you a reference in the Bible, and then you're going to pull it down and try to find the verse in the Bible. The first one who finds the verse stands up, and then when I call on you, you can read the verse, all right? And you're going to get a prize. We got that? All right, so take your Bible, hold it like this. Not with my finger, because I don't want my reference still here. You're going to hold it over here, hold it above your head. And when I, after, when I say go, then you can go, okay? We're going to look up Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2. Don't go yet. I didn't say go. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2. Go. If you got to stand up. Oh. We, she got it way back there. I think Michelle had it. Go ahead. Get, you want to read that out loud to us? Shh, shh. She had it. So Proverbs chapter twelve. What? What would you like? Gummy bears, Swedish fish. I got plenty. What do you want? What was that? You don't want anything? Or gift card? All right. Thank you. All right, all right. Focus, focus here. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2 says this. The good person obtains favor from the Lord, but he condemns a man who schemes or someone who does evil. There's something about doing good and earning God's favor, making God happy, getting blessings from God. If we back up a few verses in chapter 11, verse 27, it says, The one who searches for what is good finds favor. But if someone looks for trouble, it will come to him. There's a direct connection between doing good and receiving good. There's a direct connection between doing bad and receiving bad. 
In the New Testament, Paul writes in Galatians, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows or whatever a man does, he will also reap or he will also receive. So he must not get tired of doing good, for he will reap at the proper time if he doesn't give up. So you and I need to know, what are the things that make God happy? What are the things that God wants us to do? And what are some of the things that God wants us to avoid? All right? First of all, the thing that God wants us to do is God wants us to ask him for advice. God wants us to ask him for advice. And we see that in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 35. For the one who finds me, that's wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. The one who finds me, the one who finds wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. The book of Proverbs is all about gaining wisdom and insight and wisdom from God. It's about helping us move from being stupid to being smart. It's helping us to go from being young, young and inexperienced to being experienced without having to live out all those experiences. Proverbs is about getting wisdom from God. It's not just wisdom from a man like me. It's getting wisdom from God. And we get wisdom from God when we recognize that God has a lot to teach us. God is bigger than we are. God is smarter than we are. And God is in control more than we would like to imagine that he is in control. And that God also loves us. And that's called the fear of the Lord. Now, the word fear is not something to be frightened of or to be scared of like the dark or like snakes. And I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. I can't stand snakes. Whether they're small or whether they're large, I hate snakes. And I was very cautious about whether I should share you that, but I know that you won't be a man who schemes to try to trick me and put a snake in my office when I'm not there, but I don't like snakes. But that kind of fear is not like this fear. It's not to bring us nightmares. It's to help us understand our perspective with a great God and his authority in our life. And when we understand that God is bigger, God is smarter, and God is more in control, and that God loves us, that should bring us to want to go to him and to seek him for advice. That's really what the whole point of the Bible is. God gives us the Bible and says, I'm going to teach you about me. I'm going to teach you about you. I'm going to teach you how to live this life. Sometimes I'm going to teach you in the stories like Adam and Abraham and Joseph and Joshua. Sometimes I'm going to teach you through poems and songs like Psalms. And there's prayers like Hannah and Samuel. We get to hear about what Jesus did while he was here on earth. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We get questions answered like, what is heaven like? What will the end be like? What is love? What am I supposed to do in this situation? God wants us to go to him for advice. I think going to God for advice makes him feel good. As a parent, when your kids come to you and say, I have a question, I I need your advice. You're blown over. Whoa, my kid thinks I'm smarter than they are for one time. And it honors God when we go, God, I I got something I need to ask you. I need some advice. God's honored by that, and he blesses us. Those who seek after God will be blessed by God. Number two, God wants us to hang around good people. God wants us to hang around good people. 
Proverbs chapter 2, verse 20 says, So follow the way of good people and keep the paths of righteousness. Now, this seems kind of like common sense. If you hang around good people, good things are going to happen. If you hang around bad people, bad things are going to happen. But you and I can think of many, many people who for some reason just don't understand this principle. They're always hanging around troubled people, finding themselves in trouble and wondering how they got in trouble. There's a saying, a birds of a feather flock together. Maybe you've heard of that. Geese hang around geese. Vultures, they hang around vultures. Good people hang around good people. Bad people hang around bad people. But our natural tendency is sometimes just to follow the person in front of you. Oh, you're going somewhere. Let me go with you. But we have no idea where they are going. And also we begin to develop their same patterns of attitudes, their same way of communicating, their same way of thinking. And they're going down a path that we had no idea where they were going. We're just following them. And God says, I want you to make sure you're hanging out with good people. I want you to be following good people. So then maybe the question is, well, how do I know if someone's good or not good? Well, we got to go back up to number one. Do those people seek God for advice? If seeking God's advice is good, then following people who seek after God and his advice is good people. I think the church should be the greatest place to find the greatest friends. The church should be the greatest place to find the greatest friends because there's people in church who's seeking after God and seeking after his ways and seeking after his wisdom. And we said that that's good. So shouldn't the church be the greatest place to find the greatest friends? Well, I think maybe we're struggling in that area a little bit. And so we're working on a relationship series in the fall starting in October. For eight weeks, we're going to talk about relationships, how to trust people, how to love people, how to just be honest, how to help one another out in finding transformation in God. We need to be better at being friends and be better at being a good person so that the outside would look in and say, I want to follow them. I want to be their friend. So God wants us to seek him for advice. He wants us to hang around good people. And God wants us to show appreciation. He wants us to show appreciation. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 says, When it is in your power, don't withhold good from one it belongs to. If it's within your power, don't withhold good from one that it belongs to. It's saying that good belongs to somebody. Someone did something nice to me. And so then I owe them something in return. It doesn't say what they did or even what they said, but they just did something that deserves something in return. Whatever I have within my power, I should do that. Now, no matter how good you are to me, there's no way I'm going to be able to give you a million dollars because I don't have a million dollars. It's not within my power. But there's a lot of things within my power that I can give. And one of those that all of us have the power to do so is to use our words of appreciation. There's two key words. What are those key words? Thank you. That's right. Thank you. All of us have the power to say thank you. But it's so hard for us sometimes to slow down and to recognize that someone has been so nice to us. And they deserve for us to say thank you. So I want us to practice that right now. 
If you're sitting next to your mom or your dad, or you're sitting next to your son or your daughter, or you're sitting next to a stranger, you're going to say, thank you for being my mom. Thank you for being my dad. Thank you for being my husband. Thank you for being my wife. Thanks for being my row buddy this morning. Whatever it is, all right? Say thank you to somebody. All right, now we've made more friends, maybe we made more friends, exchange some phone numbers, emails, but doesn't it feel good to someone to say thank you? They said thank you, it feels so good, and I want you to know that I thank you for being here. I appreciate you being here, I hope you feel the love. It's so much more engaging when I can speak to a room full of people than nobody here, all right? I appreciate you, thank you for being here. God wants us to also trust in him. God wants us to trust in him. Proverbs 16, verse 20. Proverbs 16, verse 20. I encourage you to look this up in your own Bible. If you don't have this highlighted, you need to highlight this verse. Proverbs 16, verse 20. The one who understands a matter finds success or finds good. And the one who trusts in the Lord will be happy. Did you get that? The one who trusts in the Lord will be happy. Your version may say, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Good things comes to the man who trusts in the Lord. God wants us to trust in him. If you want to figure out how to be happy in your life, there's no better verse in the Bible than this one right here. Trust in the Lord and you will be happy. Oh, it sounds simple enough, right? How many of you think that's easy? Trust in the Lord. I got it. Thanks. How many of you said, uh, that's a little tough? It's a little tough, right? Why is it so hard to trust in the Lord? I think it's two things, really. One is we don't like to be out of control. It's not like we like to be in control of the whole thing the whole time because, honestly, we, we, we wish there was somebody around that we can say, here, you, you deal with this. I don't want to deal with it anymore. But we also recognize that if I give up this little control, uh, I'm not sure what the outcome will be like. And I have an idea of what kind of outcome I would like for it to be. And so we kind of hold on to it so we can maybe get our way in the end. I think we also don't like to give up control because we're not sure what's going to happen when we trust God. Right now, we may be in a situation where we're like, "Ah, I'm not sure, God, you even have a plan. Did you even see me down here? I'm struggling. Where are you at? And then I'm supposed to just trust in you and to give it over to you because you say you've got a plan. I don't know what your plan is. And so we struggle with knowing what's going on. But the more that we can understand what's going on, the more we can understand who God is and how he works, the more that we can trust in him. And when we trust in him, we'll be happier because of it. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Neil said that trust is living in the love of God and the fear of God at the same time. So it's saying, God, I know you love me. And maybe some of us, we just need to start right there. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. He really does love me. He loves me. And this God is smarter Bigger 
and more in control than I think he is. The fear of God and the love of God together, that's trusting God. It's saying, okay, I need to calm down here. I need to know that God loves me. I need to know that God doesn't have a plan. I need to know that God is bigger, he's smarter, and he's more amazing than I can ever imagine. And then I go to him for advice. God, I need your help. I need some advice. You go to other people who are seeking after God. Hey, you study the, the Bible. You, you read. You, you know about God. I need to talk to you. I need to seek for you for some advice. And then we just say, okay, God. I want to see what you've got. And you will be more happier than if you just hold on to it and try to figure out how you can do it your own way in your own time. One of the other things we find in, in Proverbs, in Proverbs 18, verse 22, it says that God does not want us to be alone. God wants us to not be alone. Proverbs 18, 22. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, we don't have a lot of time to spend in this section because we've got to kind of get moving, but we need to understand that marriage is a sacred covenant that God has designed for lifelong companionship. When you find a companion, you find a good thing, and that pleases God. Because in the beginning, there was Adam, and God says, oh, it's not good for Adam to be alone. And so he created Eve. And so when you find a wife, when you find a husband, God says, oh, that makes me so much happy that they found someone they can share life with and have this companionship with one another. Because I've created man and woman to come together, to complement each other. It's such an amazing thing. It makes God so happy. But as parents, we need to teach our kids that finding a girl or finding a guy is different than finding a wife or finding a husband. There's a difference between just finding a girl or finding a guy that's going to like you and then finding a husband or a wife that's going to cherish you. And as parents, we need to teach our kids how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife for your future spouse. And maybe we're like, I have no idea how to even be a good husband or a good wife. Go back to number one. Seek God for advice. It's in his word. How to be a good husband. How to be a good wife. And because we want you to have stronger marriages, part of the relationship series is we're going to have a half-day marriage conference on November 11th. So you can write that down in your calendar. Save that date. November 11th, we're going to have a half-day marriage conference because we want you to have stronger marriages because we know that God does not want you to be alone. I'm getting a lot of plug-ins for what's coming up, all right? All right. All right, so those are a few things that God wants us to do. Let's talk about some of the things that God wants us to avoid. What are the, some of the things he says, I don't want you to do this, okay? These are the things that makes me happy. These are the things that makes me upset, all right? And I think that's pretty good. I think that's nice of God to say, hey, these are the things that makes me upset. Sometimes we'd be around, we're around someone and they're always angry all the time. They're like, what do I do now? What do I do? God says, here, I'm going to tell you. These are the things that makes me Mad. God does not want us to hate other people. God does not want us to hate other people. I'm trying to think about a good word to use here. I know some of you are going, wow, hate. That's a really strong word. But when I think about the opposite, what God wants us to do, he wants us to love people. So the opposite of love, in my mind, is hate. 
It's not just saying, I don't like them. They kind of annoy me. I just keep my distance from them. No, God is saying, you love them or you hate them. Because love is an action. You do something to show your love. And when they annoy you and, they don't, and you don't like them, you're doing something that's opposite of love. And that's hate. And God says, these are the things that I hate. Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19 says, The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. So God's saying, I can think of six things that really bother me. Oh, there's probably seven things. Uh, He could probably think of a lot more things that bother him. But he's just going to list seven for us in chapter 6 of Proverbs. One is arrogant eyes. You're prideful. You're looking down on others. Oh, I'm better than you. You're no good. I don't want to hang around you. God doesn't like that. A lying tongue. He doesn't like when you lie. Hands that shed innocent blood. You're hurting someone who didn't deserve it. God doesn't like that. A heart that plots wicked schemes. You're out to just trick people and, 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 and cause harm to them. Feet eager to run to evil. When you're out to do evil, you're not just out to do evil to harm nothing. You're out to do evil and it's going to hurt somebody. A lying witness who gives false testimony. Someone says, did you see what happens? Yeah, I saw what happens. Tell me what happened. And then you lie about what you saw. God doesn't like that. Be truthful. Be honest. And one who stirs up trouble among brothers. He doesn't like that when you stir up trouble among your brothers. And I have a twin brother and he was the evil one. And he's going to listen to this, and he'll call me next week and say, hey, that's not fair. (laughs) Now, I think all of these are things are done with the attitude of not caring for somebody else. You do these things because you don't care about someone else. The only one you care about is yourself. And God hates people who are selfish. He doesn't like it. Jesus says that we ought to love our enemies. And Paul says that we need to have peace with all people if at all possible, on our part. One of the verses I was just reading this morning in Proverbs chapter 16, in verse 3, verse 7, excuse me, verse 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. How can I make my enemies like me? Go back to pleasing God. And what pleases God? When you seek him, when you follow after good people, when you trust in him, Those are the things that makes God happy. And God will then have a way of making your enemies not be your enemy. All right, God does not want us to be greedy. God does not want us to be greedy. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 13 says, Eat honey, my son, for it is good. And the honeycomb is sweet to the palate. Some deep advice here from Proverbs. Eat honey, my son, for it's good. And the honeycomb is sweet to the palate. Then he says in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 27, it's not good to eat too much honey or to seek glory after glory or to seek your own praise or to pat yourself on the back all the time. So earlier he says, eat honey, it's good. It's awesome. It'll be so good to your mouth. And then later he says, don't eat too much honey. 
Sometimes you have to tell your kids, yeah, that's great. Eat it. It's good. And then they're just eating, eating, eating. It's like candy at Halloween. You know, it's, ah, well, I didn't mean all of it right now. It's not good for you to do that. Everything that's good for us, there's a limit. There's a good limit. If you want to eat fruit, that's good. If the only thing you ate was fruit all the time, probably not so good. You need other nutrients and proteins for your life. There's a good limit to just about everything. Brushing your teeth, that's good. Brushing your teeth every day, all day, probably not so good. It would wear off your enamel and your gums would rot and then your teeth would begin to ache. Now, a lot of kids are paying attention going, I need to write this down. I'm not supposed to brush my teeth. I'm not saying you shouldn't brush your teeth. We talk about brushing your teeth is very, very good. But there's a limit to good. Everything that's good has a limit to it. And God's saying, don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. I've given you a lot of things to enjoy in life. Enjoy them. But don't enjoy them in excess. You want to go to the beach? Go to the beach. It's great. You want to go golfing? Go golfing. It's great. Going to the beach and going golfing? Every time church just happens to happen or every time life group is going on, probably not a good thing, all right? So enjoy the things that God has given you, but don't use them in excess. All right, one more. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8 says that God does not want us to forget all week and then to fake it on Sunday. Proverbs 15, verse 8 says the sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his his delight. So the sacrifice of the wicked is detestable to the Lord. It's something he doesn't like. The wicked is offering a sacrifice. The wicked is being wicked all week long. And then they come time to offer their sacrifice. And they're offering their sacrifice to God. God says, I hate that. I don't like that. I don't like that you forget about me all week long as though I don't exist. And then you come and show an offering, you fake it. God's saying anybody can show up one day a week and act like they got it all together and come to church and read the Bible and make their offering. But I know what you were like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So don't come into my house forgetting me about me all week long and then faking it on Sunday morning. Now God's saying the solution is not for you to go, well, If that's the way it's going to be, then I'm out. I'm not coming on Sunday then. I'm just going to live how I live every day of the week on Sunday. God's saying, no, no, no. I I want you to live how you live on Sunday. I want you to live that the rest of the week. You're going to think about me on Sunday. You're going to come and worship me on Sunday. You're going to give your alms, your sacrifice, your tithe, your offering to me on Sunday. How about you think about me tomorrow on Monday? Seek me. Seek my advice. Seek my wisdom. Find ways to hang out with good people who seek after me. Get involved in that small group. Get involved in that life group. Get involved in that accountability group. Don't just forget about me all week and then fake it on Sunday. So we've been talking a lot about how Proverbs makes this connection between doing good and receiving good. How to make God happy so that when he's happy with me, he blesses me, and I get good things from God. 
We're talking about there's a connection between doing bad and receiving bad. There's the things that God doesn't want me to do. It makes him mad. It makes him upset. And there's going to be consequences, discipline, just like a loving father will discipline his children. God's going to discipline me when I don't do what he wants me to do. Because God loves you. God loves you. That's why he would discipline you. When someone loves you, they want the best for you. They want you to succeed in life. And I tell my kids, I want them to be happy. I want them to grow up and be successful. And that means that I don't want you to be lazy and I don't want you to be stupid. I want you to try your best in school. I want you to work hard when you're supposed to make your bed or pick up your clothes or help me around the house. I want you to work hard because working hard now and working hard later leads to success. It doesn't mean that when you work hard, you're going to be rich because some of us know that we work hard day in and day out. We're working hard and we're just not making it ahead like the other person. But when you work hard, God says, that I will bless you. When we seek after God, God will bless us. And I can tell my kids, I know that being smart and working hard is way better than being lazy and being stupid. You don't want to do stupid things. You want to do smart things. But because there's a connection between doing good and receiving good and doing bad and, and receiving bad, I also need to tell you about this word called Grace grace. Even though he says there are things that make God happy, there are things that make God upset, God says, I also want you to know about my mercy and my grace. Mercy is withholding what we deserve, and grace is giving us what we don't deserve. What you and I deserve is to have the full punishment For when we do what's wrong, when we sin, we deserve the punishment. But because God loves us, he says, I want to give you forgiveness. I want to withhold the punishment that you deserve for your sin. And instead, I want to give you grace. I want to give you something you don't deserve. I want to give you forgiveness. I want to give you goodness in your life. It's like being a brat all day long, and then your parents said, hey, let's go get some ice cream and go shopping. What? I thought I was going to get in trouble. (laughs) Who does that? God does that. God says, I know what you did, and I I don't like it, and it makes me upset. But I want to offer you grace. I want to give you something that you don't deserve. And that's because he doesn't want any of us to walk away from him. He don't want to see anybody walk down a bad path. He doesn't want to see someone fail. He doesn't want to see them struggle. He doesn't want to see you make bad decisions in your life. He doesn't want to see you wander around and wondering how you can figure out how to enjoy this life to the fullest. So he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He rose three days later and then ascended into heaven where he's pleading on your behalf to the Father in heaven. Because God loves you, and he wants to give you grace. He wants to break down the barrier that you and I have built between you and God, between me and God, because of our sin. We've created this wall, this division. 
God's not looking for us to be perfect because he knows that we're not perfect. And God wants to break down that wall so that we can have a, a great relationship with him. That's what he wants. And some of you may say, nah, I don't need that. I don't need grace. I'm fine. You're not fine. You need God. Accept his grace. Accept his gift of salvation that he's offering you. And many of us have already experienced that grace. We know what grace is like. We know that we didn't deserve what God has given us. We've done some bad things and we should have earned the discipline and the punishment. We, we didn't get that. And so because of that, that's why we want to do good. Because we want to honor God because he's been so good to us. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 8 says, When the goodness of God and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. It wasn't just because we did a bunch of good things that God saved us. But according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by his Holy Spirit. He poured out this spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everybody. When you and I receive the grace and mercy from God, it ought to compel us, it ought to motivate us to do good. Not so we can make God happy because we already know that God loves us. God loves us more than we deserve. But because he loves us so much, I want to please him by doing what's right. What makes God happy? Well, there's some things that make God happy. But God will always love you, no matter what. Our advice is to seek advice from him. To seek godly friendships. To show others kindness. To avoid being greedy. To avoid this superficial relationship with him. Not just to remember him one day a week, but to go all in to remember God every day of the week and to find favor from him. And the reason that we can find favor from God is because we have found favor in God. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. You are so good to us. God, we thank you for telling us the things that make you happy, the things that we should do so that we can obtain favor and goodness and blessings from you. Thank you for letting us know the things that upset you. And God, may our heart be that we don't want to do the things that upset you. We want to please you. Not so we can just get good in our life and somehow just trick you into just giving us good things because we're good but we're good because you've been good to us help us to do that help us to be better people who seek after you who seek you for advice help us to be good friends help this church to really be the greatest place where we can find the greatest friends God we need your help in this journey to live life to the fullest in Jesus name we pray Amen.